Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton, and it is our last podcast of the 2010s, but we're going to do a great one here. Coming in today, Brian Yu, Deputy Chief Economist at Central One Credit Union. He's also a columnist here at Business in Vancouver. He's going to offer his forecast for the BC economy amid big infrastructure spending, a crisis in the forestry sector, and maybe some mixed signals when it comes to the housing market. Then KPMG's Russ Crawford, he's going to break down what businesses must know about the finalized version of the CUSMA, that new trade deal replacing NAFTA, and how it's going to impact everything from e-commerce to global supply chains. Before we get there, let's kick it off with Brian Yu from Central One. So a new BC economic forecast is out this week from Central One Credit Union. And joining us today to discuss the future prospects of the province's economy, it is Brian Yu. He is Central One's Deputy Chief Economist, and he's also a columnist here at Business in Vancouver. Brian, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Brian, look, BC, it's been a strong performer throughout the 2010s. We're moving into the next decade, though, and I'm wondering if British Columbia, can, can we keep up with these challenges that are ahead of us when we think of kind of maybe where the globe is going right now in terms of maybe some economic uncertainty? Yeah, so I think that we have seen, um, in the last few years, we've actually been in a pretty good position. Um, we've been one of the stronger growth performers um, from about 2014 onwards. Uh, something by luck in some in some cases we didn't have the uh, impact of the uh, of the oil uh, crash really hitting us like Alberta and we also saw the impact of low interest rates uh, low Canadian dollar also helping us um, as we move forward I think there's there's clearly there's been a lot of headwinds this year uh, we are looking at the backdrop of this um, relatively sluggish trade environment there are some good signals ahead in terms of the USMCA being um, looking to be ratified um, we're seeing a partial trade deal between China and the US as well so uh, things are getting a little bit better on that end, but I think that we are still being hampered by that export profile right now. And uh, BC, however, does have the luxury, at least at some level, of having some major capital investments coming up, uh, coming in stream to help support our growth. Yeah, think about those capital investments uh, in this forecast. You guys are highlighting, of course, the $40 billion Kitimat project that LNG Canada is behind. We also have the Site C Dam. Are we going to be keeping maybe a lot of uh, skilled laborers busy here in British Columbia? I, I think so. I think one of the, um, with these major projects, not only that, it's also the likelihood in our view that the TMX will go and we'll be building out that project at the same time and schools and hospitals. Uh, a lot of the trades workers will be um, readily employed across uh, across the province. And there's also still a lot of construction occurring on the on the residential front, despite the fact that we've seen a uh, softening of the, uh, of the resale market in the recent years, the actual levels of new home construction is still quite strong. So I think there's quite a bit of opportunity for uh, a lot of that uh, skilled labor and trades labor. So do you think that's just going to put that much more pressure on the labor market here in British Columbia? We, we already have, I think we retook the crown from Quebec recently when it comes to the lowest unemployment level uh, in Canada. Uh, what does that mean for the labor market moving forward? Yeah, the, the labor market here is quite tight. Um, when we look at the unemployment rates, we are the lowest in the country, a very high level of job vacancy rates, meaning that essentially if people are looking for jobs, they can essentially find it. 
if they're looking for that. Um, we tell are, that to all my journalist friends. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but we are uh, also seeing um, a lot of challenges for businesses, not only um, – uh, obviously, the uh, some of the construction side of the economy, but also small businesses looking for uh, uh, labor or looking for workers, and they're having a hard time um, adjusting to the fact that wages are in fact growing. Uh, that is a constraint right now, I think, for a lot of the smaller businesses as well. So they are making adjustments as we as they're moving along, not being able to find workers, maybe working longer hours um, in terms of the owners themselves as well. It wasn't that something that was kind of confounding economists for a long time, though. It's just how we would have have like low un- unemployment here in Canada, but wage growth seemed to be kind of stagnant for a while. Like, are, are we getting to the bottom of what, what's been going on there? Well, I, I think that, you know, the stagnant part of it is a productivity issue in Canada. We do uh, tend to find a little bit less productivity in the Canadian um, uh, economy than, say, some of the U.S., for example. Uh, but when we're looking at the, the wage picture, some of the labor market, uh, one of the major factors going forward that's going to, in our view, uh, maintain a low unemployment rate, uh, even if we see that softening or relatively modest growth environment, is that the demographics. There's a lot of uh, retirees or semi in, head, people heading into their retirement years, uh, and they are uh, going to be leaving the workforce over time. And what we also need of course, is replacement, replacements of workers for those individuals. Uh, so we are seeing that tightness of around 4% unemployment rate over the next, few, ex, next couple of years uh, with, again, a moderate, moderate growth in uh, BC's economy. Now, I'm throwing you on the spot, but this is just something that I read uh, a few weeks ago. But uh, one trend that somebody was highlighting is that maybe older generations, the, the boomers, for example, are maybe working later and later into life than would, would be expected. Is this going to be a good thing for the economy? Is maybe kind of tougher for some of those younger generations to kind of break in if there's some of the older generations still hanging on? Um, no, I don't think so. I think right now um, we are seeing uh, high levels of labor force participation for young for older individuals, those who are near potential or near traditional retirement age. Um, and this is really just reflects that longevity is, is much is a much better these days in terms of lifespans. People are healthier later in life. Um, so it should be expected that uh, individuals will be um, working later in life. Um, but that being said, I don't I think that what that's kind of what we need as an economy is that we are facing some labor shortage as a broad uh in a broad sense, given our low unemployment rate, uh, we need more people to stay in the labor force. Um, does it, um, you know, does it restrict individuals from moving higher? Maybe in some cases, but it also allows for, I think, uh, a lot of knowledge transfer as well. So I don't think it's a negative that um, individuals are staying in the workforce longer. It's absolutely needed for in terms of our economy. Um, but at some point, individuals will, reti- will retire. Uh, we do, however, see some likelihood that um, these individuals will not fully retire. It will be uh, working through either that gig economy or working contract with uh, organizations uh, because we are facing these uh, labor shortages and, and for skilled, uh, especially for skilled individuals. Well, I'm also curious about maybe the prospect of the forestry industry here in British Columbia. It's been facing some challenges. It's also difficult to hear when uh, you know people are getting laid off or out of work temporarily at least. But from what I understand, though, maybe the forestry part of the economy, it's becoming a, a smaller and smaller piece of the overall provincial economy. Like, how worried should British Columbians be about the state of forestry right now? Um, I, I think we should be concerned uh, about the forestry downturn. It is substantial. We have lost plenty of mills already shut down in the last year. Um, we've seen uh, layoff, of course, at uh, the various mills that are still open or, or curtailment of 
uh, production. Um, and really, the, for a lot of communities that are uh, still uh, based on the forestry industry, this is a very just terrible news for them. Uh, it does mean that uh, incomes in their areas are going to fall. Um, it does mean that their uh, the the households who live there uh, won't be able to aren't contributing to in terms of the uh, the the tax uh, the tax base in these areas. And so it will be a struggle for these areas. But in terms of the context of the overall economy, um, resources as a whole, uh, mining, forestry, are less of important in terms of uh, share of gross domestic product, share of the economy as it was you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, it's partly because these sectors, of course, aren't growing as fast, but also that other areas are growing much faster. Um, services, professional services, technology, these are the higher growth areas um, that, um, that are somewhat essentially driving the economy uh, over the longer term. Uh, and we does look like to us that there is uh, that that means that there is some urban uh, rural divide, of course, occurring. That um, this is one thing we should be con- a little bit uh, concerned about in terms of the economic base is that uh, growth is occurring in larger centers. As so, while moving forward, we're looking at British Columbia. Is it still going to be one of those more top tier economies in Canada as we look over for the next few years, according to your forecast? Uh, yeah, I think that in our outlook, uh, we see a slowdown in 2019 of GDP growth to about 2% from uh, 2.6% last year. Uh, we do expect to see that bounce higher in 2020 uh, to about close to 3%, really reflecting the, the major project activity that's ramping up uh, in, uh, in various parts of the province. Um, and before slowing down to about a 2% growth rate thereafter. So it is a stronger uh, economic environment in BC, especially relative to the other parts of Canada. And that other Canada, we're expecting uh, nationally growth to be around uh, around 1.7% next year. So we will be significantly higher than that. But again, it's reflecting uh, some significant capital expenditures and the flow through of that onto their onto the economy. I'll leave you with this. I'm always fascinated by what the Bank of Canada is going to be up to. What do you expect with regards to any monetary policy moving forward into 2020? Well, we think they're definitely on hold until uh, 2020. Interestingly, they're going to be very data dependent. Um, currently, we do have the uh, potential for a, a, a cut early in the year, but uh, we are seeing some relative bright spots in the, the global economy that are really emerging at the current time. It's the USMCA that will uh, be signed. We will see the uh, the it looks like the Canada, the China, U.S. trade issues are are easing a bit. So you know, I think it's like there still be, might be one cut into early 2020, but uh, then it's going to be really dependent upon where that economy heads thereafter. Well, excellent, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. That is Brian Yu. He is deputy chief economist at the Central One Credit Union. He's also a columnist here at Business in Vancouver. Now, stay with us. Russ Crawford from KPMG Canada. He's going to join us next to talk about all those trade agreements that Brian and I were just touching on a moment ago. So it's been years of negotiations over the trade deal replacing NAFTA, but earlier this week, lawmakers settled on a finalized version of the Canada-U.S.-Mexico Agreement, or CUSMA, or USMCA, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But joining us today to talk about the business implications behind the new trade deal, it is Russ Crawford. He is the U.S. Tax National Leader at KPMG Canada. Russ, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. So what's your sense right now? Are are businesses just relieved that there is more certainty about trade between these North American partners? 
I think that's a fair statement. While there will be pluses and minuses for different businesses, the key is certainty and now a better ability to plan forward. I think that's been very important for all of them. What do you think would be top of mind right now for, say, Canadian importers and exporters, especially when we're considering that there will be some changes uh, based on what NAFTA was compared to what this is going to be moving forward? Yeah, I mean, now I think it's especially important that we have final protocol, final verbiage. This is definitely the time to model out what the impact for any business is going to be, whether they're importing or exporting or even providing cross-border services. Uh, now we have certainty, but the key is to really model out what the impact is to the business. And in connection with that, do they need to change their supply chain? Do they need to change how they do business? Uh, that is going to be paramount now. Yeah, that supply chain issue, because look, there, there's a lot of back and forth, especially with regards to rules of origin. Uh, what, what do you make of kind of the concerns? Does this mean that there could be some possible disruption if Canadian businesses aren't totally attuned to the changes? Oh, I think um, absolutely. They really do need to be attuned to the changes. And as you mentioned, the the rules of origin, you know, for example, one of the changes this week in the revised protocol does deal in the steel threshold, the 70% steel threshold issue. Um, And while it does give a period of time for some of the additional changes here, really need to look at it now and what that impact might be. One of the other thing, and I think this may be a little more consumer centric, but I think it has some very big implications, especially for small businesses, is the new de minimis thresholds. Uh, for those that don't know, it's talking about essentially how much you can maybe buy online from a foreign e-commerce site and have it shipped up to Canada without facing some of those duties that you would pay on it. It also would affect, of course, those Canadian exporters that'd be sending their products down to the United States or Mexico. What do you make? Was it time? for a bit of an update moving forward with these de minimis thresholds? Well, it'd be very interesting because this is an area where there was obviously some back and forth and differing opinions and how it impacts the different retail pieces of the, of the industry. Uh, some Canadian retailers were concerned about making these changes because it uh, may open up more of the Canadian market to the U.S., for example. Those are certainly things that go back and forth. I think you're absolutely right, especially in today's online world. It will be very important for businesses to focus on what that change may be and give some thought to how that may impact their market share. One thing I think that a lot of people are going to be clued into is the potential for pharmaceutical costs going down. I think this is something that was pushed hard by Canadians. Uh, what do you make of maybe the potential for just the healthcare sector in Van- or not Vancouver, but Canada as a whole? Um, Yeah, that is interesting. Um, You'll see some of the press releases yesterday coming out did talk about the the potentially a major win uh, in the regards for pharmaceutical companies in backing off on some of the intellectual property uh, protection issues that got taken care of. So that may have an impact going either way in terms of what that means for prices. Uh, So I, I think you will see some ongoing dialogue about that in the marketplace. So look, it's been years. I recall when NAFTA went forward, you know, way back in the 90s, and it's been years of this older trade agreement. Do you think that it was time for an update? There's some, you know, controversial concerns that people had about what this new trade deal would mean. But do you think that we needed something that was more attuned to what, I guess, 21st century trade was going to be like? You know, I think most people would say that modernization of the agreement, that it was time, it's been some 25 plus years. Uh, that said, you will still have some businesses impacted favorably versus not with the new agreement. So not everybody's going to agree in that regard. 
I would say in the area of dealing with the digital economy, that is obviously something that's evolved significantly since the original NAFTA. And in many aspects, that was some area definitely that needed to be modernized. Yeah. Do you think with regards to the digital economy, though, that things might be a little bit more under pressure? Because we know that there is some pressure to maybe start taxing some of these services as well. We see that the United States wasn't too friendly to France's efforts to do that sort of stuff. Do you think the fact that we have a trade agreement that can start to kind of get into the nitty gritty of that all that that'll give maybe a little bit more certainty to Canadian businesses as well as some of the foreign services that could be entering into this country? You know, interesting question. I would actually separate those two issues because, you know, the the revised uh, CUSMA agreement really does not get into the actual taxation issues that the OECD is looking at and that a number of your, you know, various uh, countries in Europe and even Canada are looking at. I, I would say that's really separate from what's happening under the trade agreements in terms of what the impact might be. Fair enough. Now, Russ, overall, I I mean, what is your take? Do you think that Canada is going to be better off uh, with some of the finalized changes that are moving forward versus what we're seeing, like way, I I guess it was last year when we thought that we had finalized uh, the new trade agreement? I think what's important is that we are going to have a trade agreement no matter what. Um, obviously, probably the biggest concern we've had through all this process was whether or not the U.S. would at some point in time actually withdraw from NAFTA. And that I would have been extremely concerned for Canada, Mexico and the U.S., frankly, if that were to happen. I think we now have a certainty that's not going to happen. And to me, that's what's the real plus about this as to you know whether a particular country is a winner or a loser compared to the old agreement. Again, it's, it's going to vary by sector and by company. Uh, but what I think is important is just knowing we will have an agreement. And, uh, maybe we'll leave it off with this because I, I think that this is a very important trade agreement for our biggest partners here. Uh, have we seen maybe kind of – we know of CETA. We know of the CPTPP. Have we seen maybe kind of the benefits or some of the uh, challenges manifest yet with those trade agreements? Because you know they're still pretty nascent at this stage, but NAFTA has been such kind of like a, a built-in part to our trade over the last you know two decades. Is there kind of a, a lot more importance being placed on – on this new trade deal going forward? Well, I think there's significant uh, importance to this new trade deal going forward. That said, while all these uh, negotiations have been going on, it has actually probably helped Canadian businesses also focus on other markets just besides the U.S. Mm. and North America and Mexico. So I think having CETA in place, for example, has been a positive to turn the eye for additional expansion opportunities in Europe. And you can probably tell I'm pretty pro-trade. I think anything we can have in place to help from a trading perspective is good for Canada. Well, maybe we'll leave on this. Uh, look, we had the UK elections uh, that just took place. It looks as if you know Brexit is inevitable at this point. Do you think a trade deal that Canada is going to have with its largest trading partner, it, it sets it on a course for maybe some more stability at a time when we look at the global economy and, and some people are concerned about some instability going forward across the world? I would certainly hope so, because it is very interesting with the vote yesterday in the UK, and you're correct, it does appear that Brexit is certainly going to move forward, as uh, indicated by the vote yesterday. Uh, What we're dealing with in terms of geopolitical issues around the globe, that's not going to go away anytime soon. And so anything else we can have in the trade arena provide some stability, I think, is positive because we are in a different world of flux, and I think that's going to go on for quite some time. Well, excellent. Russ, thank you so much. 
Thank you, Tyler. It's my pleasure to be with you. And that's Russ Crawford. He is the U.S. Tax National Leader at KPMG Canada. And that's it for the show today. I want to thank you all for listening. It's been a great year here at Business in Vancouver. You'll find us once again in 2020. We'll be back the second week of January. So please listen in. It'll be great.